So, uh, I think you'd all agree with me that you are full of ideas and beliefs about God, about yourselves, and about life. These ideas guide our lives every day. Um, we've spent the last two weeks exploring how some of these mental maps are contaminated with lies, out of touch with reality. And today it's time to move from how we discover the lies to how we replace them with the truth, our weapons against Satan, and avoid the lies in the first place, our defense. Um, and why should we bother rooting out lies uh, in our ideas and beliefs? It seems like a lot of self-reflection going on these days. So imagine framing up a shed or a house or any building for that matter. Imagine you get to the end and each timber is just ever so slightly out of true. Good luck putting up the jib and have fun laying down the roof, any builders in the house. It's worth getting the timbers true. Uh, imagine a delightful bag of roasted mixed nuts. Mmm. But someone's put little stones in them. And crack! Oh, come on, who's ever bitten into a stone? Or bits of eggshell in your scrambled eggs? Come on, it's worth getting out the stones. And the most delightful for last, imagine having a case of intestinal worms, stealing your nutrients, the itchy bum. You have enough health to stay alive, but you are not flourishing. It's worth getting rid of the worms. Amen. So, right? You're not going to forget that, now, are you? Now, the ideas in this series come from a book, uh, they're based heavily on a book called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer, and we're unpacking the idea that the devil's primary stratagem is to drive the soul and society into ruin through deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires, which are normalized in a sinful society. Um, today, we focus on the deceptive ideas and our enemy who peddles them, the devil. Sam spoke last week about the devil and our mental maps, um, and there will be some overlap today, but from a different perspective. Uh, this topic of lies, deceptions, and truth is so underdeveloped in our modern church culture that we can benefit today from digging even deeper. So it's my prayer today uh, that we walk out of here with three realities firmly in hand. One, um, is there a slide there, Ramon? I feel like there's a slide for this. There we go. Uh, number one, the devil finds convincing ways to get us to believe lies about God, ourselves, and a good life. Number two, that we have weapons against these lies. The best defense is a good offense. And number three, we also have defenses against lies, weapons and defenses to shield us. So let's go. Um, what kind of attacks come to mind when you think of spiritual warfare? Uh, angels colliding with demons, demonic whispers to do naughty things, demon possession, little picture on the screen here. Um, when Jesus and the New Testament authors describe the work of our enemy, they describe it a lot more like a disinformation campaign in a medieval battlefield from Jesus. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And then from Paul, uh, we have disarmed the powers and authorities. Sorry, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, not us, Jesus. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is not a battle of two equal and opposite powers. From John Mark Comer, ditch your mental image of Saving Private Ryan or Lord of the Rings. Instead, imagine a Russian hacker holed up in St. Petersburg programming bots and algorithms. Next slide, Ramon, there's a picture of a hacker programming bots and algorithms. Um, disinformation, or in the language of scripture, deception, is at the root of almost every single problem we face in our society and our souls. It's easy to miss or underestimate this message about being aware of deception. 
we hear a message in our culture that people have different perspectives and different takes on reality, and that it's a virtue to show tolerance for these different views. But this leads to the thinking that what we believe about reality doesn't really matter, and that there are many different valid ways to think about reality. Well, the New Testament teachers do not agree. You'll see on the screen. For Jesus and the early teachers of his way, a deception was a major issue. In addition to Jesus' own teachings, we find upwards of 40 more warnings of deception, especially in the areas of sexual morality and false teaching. Uh, just take a look. Next slide, there's some more. From Jesus, from Paul, from all the authors. Uh, disinformation about God, humanity, life, it's not a small issue. The notion of truth is being actively eroded in our world, and it's easy to leave our assumptions unquestioned, and it's hard to challenge them. But lies lead to pain, confusion, anxiety, separation from God, and truth sets us free. So we have an enemy, whether we know it or like it, there are powers at work against us. Wouldn't it be to our advantage to know the enemy's strategy? Know your enemy. You may have heard that one before. Oh, sorry. Pretty sure there's a song with that in it somewhere from Rage Against the Machine. Oh, it's just, not, okay, sorry. So sorry, wrong attribution. Uh, deception uh, is where we're going next. So let's dig into what it means to be tempted. Uh, deception is tied to temptation. Repeatedly giving into temptation leads to slavery to sin. And if life pathways are on offer, who would like to have slavery to sin? No. So take a brief moment to ponder uh, the various temptations that you face during your life as a child, as a teenager, uh, in your adult life, this week, this morning. John Mark Comer would argue that there's a common theme in all of these temptations, and this is a good one. Okay, you ready? An unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. We sin because we believe a lie about what will make us happy. Now, don't get me wrong, we are not the center of the universe. God is for God. He brings glory to himself. But a happy creation brings glory to himself, too. Again, from John Mark Comer. To get us to choose evil, our enemy has to fool us into walking down a path other than the one Jesus laid down for us, thinking it will lead us to happiness. We sin because we believe a lie about what will make us happy. Uh, we see this archetypal execution of this diabolical plan in Genesis 3, when the serpent tempts Eve to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, and from which God instructed them not to eat lest they perish. Did God really say, you will certainly not die? Your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So again, from John Mark Comer, notice that the serpent came at Eve with a simple yet evocative idea, not a weapon. God's good... Sorry, God's not as good or as wise as he claims to be. He's holding out on you. If you seize autonomy from God and do your own thing with me, you'll be better off. So think back to your own experiences with temptation. Does this ring true? Did you think that giving in to whatever temptation you faced throughout your life last week, even today, uh, would make you happier? That God was holding out on you? John Mark Comer would also suggest that the main thrust of our enemy's deceptions aim at three foundations of truth. Wouldn't it be helpful to know which pillars of truth tend to get twisted and distorted? Again, know your enemy. So you can see them here. We ask, who is God? What's he like? Can I trust him? And the devil lies. He's an unloving, jealous tyrant who's holding out on you. You can't trust him. We ask, who are we? What does it mean to be human? Am I just an animal or something more? And he lies it again. 
you're not just a human being with a place in an ordered cosmos, stewarding creation, but still under the creator. No, you can transgress your limitations and become whatever you want. Identity is self-defined. Morality, self-determined. Take control of your own life. You will be like God. And we ask, how do we live? What's the good life? How do I live it? And here the devil's lies are most salient. You can't trust God, but you can trust yourself, your own wisdom and desires. Look at this bright, shiny thing, this tree that God said was off limits. Eat it, take it, seize it, do it, experience it, follow your heart. Your inner intuition is the most accurate map to the happy life you crave. So that was all quotes from his book. Um, Instead of a view of God, ourselves, and our life informed by the truths of Scripture, our enemy would have us distance ourselves from God, do our own thing, and redefine good and evil based on our own gut and desire. So can you see that the world around us is exploding with messages like this? Uh, But they lead us to distance from God, the source of life. These lead to slavery, to sin, to pain, confusion, anxiety, separation from God. But the truth can set us free. That's where we're here today. So in preparation for this series, uh, I read C.S. Lewis's classic, The Screwtape Letters. Quick hands up, who's read this book before? Yeah, good, good, good. Um, Lewis puts together an imaginary written correspondence between a senior demon, Uncle Screwtape, and his nephew, a junior tempter. It's funny and it's cunningly insightful. It was published in the 40s, and it's as relevant today as anything I've read. I highly recommend it. To illustrate these tactics, I want to share two examples of lies that are relevant for me, and I hope relevant for many of you too. Um, We'll unpack them a little bit more soon. But the first comes from good old Uncle Screwtape, the true end of humility. The lie is that humility is thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking less of yourself. Right. At first glance, that seems quite noble. The scriptures condemn pride as a nasty vice, and if pride is thinking too highly of yourself, then surely the remedy is to think less of yourself, right? But that's not right. That kind of thinking diminishes your dignity and your confidence. It produces internal turmoil because deep down you know that you're actually lying to yourself, and it stifles your potential. Uh, Really, it dishonors our creator who formed you and crafted you to use your giftings at full capacity for his glory. So you can see that this is a lie about who I am and the good life. Whereas the truth is that humility is thinking less of yourself. Can you see how thinking of yourself less, and therefore thinking of others more, is founded on self-assurance, dignity, peace about who you are. It leads to an effective use of our gifting to build others up. And that kind of identity is only possible for rooted in trust in our maker, our father, uh, through Jesus. Just an example of a lie and its truth. Uh, A second illustration The lie, fullness of life is found when I can do whatever I really want. Who has heard or seen this message lately? Podcasts, self-help books, media, blogs, water cooler conversation. Yeah, it sounds really great. Who wouldn't want to do whatever they really want? I immediately think about housework. I don't actually want to do the dishes. I think about my children. It's hard work listening to them take five minutes to tell a 10-second story from their day. Uh, Or put them to bed with a proper prayer when I just want to sit down with a glass of wine. I think about my sexuality, even within marriage in my context, and how I'm often motivated by what feels good for me. And I suggest to you that this thinking leads to someone who is selfish, lacking in love. The end result is a life of self-indulgence and somebody who's frustrated and resentful when they don't get their way, which is often fully enslaved to sinful desires, distanced from God. This is not a good way to live. Um, 
for now, just reflect on the lifestyle of Jesus. When did he ever do something out of a desire for self-indulgence? You'll be looking for a long time. So this is another lie about who I am and the good life. But there's a truth. Fullness of life is actually found in living sacrificially, honoring, esteeming, and serving those around me. That's what we see in Jesus. And when we study his life, we find a man overflowing with abundant joy, peace, and satisfaction. This is true. So I hope you can see from these two examples that with a subtle twist, the devil distorts our ideas about God, ourselves, the good life. And by undermining our trust that God actually desires our deepest happiness, if these lies go unnoticed, we flounder at best. And at at worst, we face ruin. So the power in understanding this framework is that once you're aware, you can examine your beliefs and your ideas. And with the guidance and revelation of the Holy Spirit, you can start to pick out the lies. Target acquired. So now what? Let's move into what can we do about it? Um, Again, when Eve faced the serpent who twisted the truth, she fell for it. She believed that God was holding out on her and that doing her own thing would lead to greater flourishing. Lies. But when Jesus faced the same serpent in the wilderness, he stood on strong ground on the foundations of truth and he told the tempter to get lost. So how did he do it? He did it through spirit and through truth. Jesus told the Samaritan, (laughs) he did it through spirit and truth. Jesus told the Samaritan woman at the well uh, that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus promised that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That same night, Jesus exhorted his disciples, remain in me as I also remain in you like a branch in a vine. And earlier in his ministry, he decided, he declared to the crowd that if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Can you see this theme of abiding and spirit and truth? From what I see in Jesus, these are two practices that lead to strength against temptation. We fill our minds with truth from the word of God revealed in the scriptures, and we choose to abide, to dwell, to remain in the Lord's presence through the Holy Spirit, spirit and truth. Jesus offers truth and intimate relationship through the Holy Spirit. There's so many different ways to do this, and we've talked before about the different spiritual practices that you can use to abide with our Lord. But today, we're laser-focused on the truth, getting the truth deep into our bones. So this is why the devil is actively trying to deceive us. He lies to isolate us from others and from the Father, and the opposite of spirit and truth is lies and isolation. From John Mark Comer, Isolate, then lie. Pick a lie that plays to a disordered desire. Get your mark to take a relational step away from God and to redefine good and evil for himself. Done. So that's how the devil plies his craft. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth who will guide us into all truth. So if we humbly ask the spirit to reveal lies and guide us into truth, surely he will. And knowing the truth will guide us into deeper abiding relationship with the Father, which then brings freedom, spirit, and truth. Okay, excellent. You got that? We're sorted. Just ask the Spirit to reveal truth. Great. You're now immune to diabolical temptation. Yeah, right. Exactly. Life is more complex than that, so we're going to keep going here. Again, from John Mark Comer, a quote here. But the problem is knowing something is not the same as doing something which is still not the same as wanting to do something. For ideas, good or bad, to reshape our lives, they have to get into our hearts. 
the deep centers of our beings that integrate our thoughts, our emotions, and our desires. And from there into our bodies and our muscle memory, or in more Christian language, into our souls. So how do we get the truth into our souls? How do we fight the devil's lies? Again, from John Mark Comer. By turning to the scripture. You fight the devil's lies by choosing not to think about them. But as we all know, you can't think about nothing. So you give your mind something else to think about. Scripture. When an unwanted thought comes into your conscious awareness, all you have to do is think about something else. It's a very simple idea, but it's very hard to master. The goal of reading Scripture is not just information, but spiritual formation, to take on the mind of Christ, to actually think like Jesus thinks, to fill your mind with the thoughts of God so regularly and deeply that it literally rewires your brain, and from there, your whole person. Again, a quote. The key is not just to think about Scripture, but to think Scripture. This is all from John Mark Comer. I'm just totally ripping this off. It's so good. Every time an identified lie comes into our conscious awareness, we don't fight it head on. We can change the channel. At first, as we first turned away from God in our thoughts, so it's in our thoughts that the first movements towards the renovation of the heart occur. Thoughts are the place where we can and must begin to change. And take note, it is our responsibility, your responsibility, to curate your own thought life. No one else can do that for you. Scripture, the Word of God, is extremely powerful, right? It's not the same as memorizing a pithy quote from your favorite author or from a poem or from a playwright. It has spiritual weight and authority. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword in Hebrews. Or just read Psalm 119 all about the Word of God. Jesus modeled this too in his teaching. So here you might be thinking, change the channel. Okay, so like, am I supposed to have a Bible in my front pocket? Whip it out in temptation. Look at my Bible app throughout the day. Yeah, that's possible, but agreed, that's slow, awkward. A better solution is to pick ahead of time a particular lie that you know is gnawing away at your flourishing. Search the scriptures, pray, talk to other saints, and find a verse that speaks the truth to combat that lie. And then memorize it. Yeah, so there's the rub. That takes quite a lot of effort. Yes, it does. The question is, is it worth it to you? Of course, we ask God to help us. Jesus included in his mighty prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil in the NIV. Or keep us from sinning when we're tempted. Save us from the evil one, Lord. But imagine the difference between facing a temptation to click on that sexy ad by simply praying, help, Lord, and hoping for the best. Anybody? No? Um, this practice of actively combating lies and deceits by memorizing... Oh, sorry, sorry, back up. Got my page flipped around here. (laughs) Um, Compared to actually memorizing a scripture against that temptation and quoting the scripture and praying help with the scripture, changing the channel. Um, This practice of actively combating lies and deceits by memorizing truths uh, combined with prayer is very effective. It's also very effortful. It's very much like training for a sporting event. So you ready? This is your memorization tool here. I'm going to call it today. Truth training. Um, Think about uh, this this guy. There's this monk, Evagrius of Pontus, an ancient monk who wrote a book entitled Talking Back, a monastic handbook for combating demons. Bold title, hey? Anybody read that one? Okay. Okay. He scoured the scriptures and he compiled a list of hundreds of deceptive thoughts and a scripture that spoke truth to each one. If we start with one deception, 
and one scripture that speaks truth, uh, and then one more and one more, over a lifetime of apprenticeship to Jesus, we become like a Jedi truth wielder. Right? Now, I can only find the gluttony section of his book, but it's really interesting. Here, take a look at this. Um, For example, against the thought that weeps over simple foods and dry bread, the verse, a morsel with pleasure is peace, in peace is better than a house full of many good things. Against the thought that uh, is anxious about food and drink and diligent about where it can get them, cast your anxiety upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Against the thought that predicts to us that famine or great affliction is coming, the Lord will not famish a righteous soul, but he will overthrow the life of the ungodly. It just gives you an idea that you can imagine, pick a lie, pick a truth. It's a weapon. Um, To begin our own handbook for combating demons, let's go back to that lie about true humility. Remember the lie. Humility is thinking less of yourself. Right, so a vulnerability moment. Uh, I naturally think I'm pretty special and talented, perhaps even more than those around me. It's embarrassing to say it out loud, but uh, things like athleticism, intelligence, people skills, parenting, teaching, things that I value. Uh, So I have in the past subtly tried to address this vice by thinking less of my own abilities. This actually means lying to myself, being disingenuous with myself, and it doesn't last. I know that I'm just tricking myself. Look at this quote from C.S. Lewis. Um, A humble man will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who's always telling you that, of course, he's nobody. No, I'm not very smart. No, I'm not very good at that. Oh, no, that probably wouldn't mean anything to you. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. The truth, humility is thinking of yourself less. Jesus was a model of humility. Do you see him downplaying his abilities, his status? No, in fact, he just doesn't focus on them at all. So if I grasp the truth uh, of humility, not thinking less of myself, but thinking myself thinking of myself less, then the solution's obvious. I just have to practice thinking about others rather than myself. So when I notice myself thinking highly of myself or just excessively thinking about myself at all, I can remind myself using Paul in Romans 12. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is my first entry in my combat against demons. And I change the channel. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Click. Sometimes I only have to press the button on the remote one time. But many times the channel changes back to the prideful channel all on its own accord. So I press the button again and again and again. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Change the channel. It's a battle. But I can tell you it's getting easier as I keep at it. Okay, our second lie, second example. That lie was that fullness of life uh, is found when I can do whatever I want. Nap whenever I want, go on hikes whenever I want, go for a beer with my mates whenever I want, avoid all the tiresome jobs like dishes and cleaning, avoid the children when I'm tired, pursue my sexuality for my own enjoyment, even within marriage. Under that lie, I will still occasionally do things for others, but with a heart to get those jobs off my to-do list so I can do my own thing. So when those thoughts come to my mind, I bring out the guns. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. 
Or Ephesians 5 would be good too. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Under the framework of life, uh, under the framework of truth about the good life, I may do the very same actions. Empty the dishwasher, read the children a story, pray a proper prayer for them at bed, spend some time with someone in pain, but I do it for their sake, not mine. Again, the truth is that fullness of life is found in loving sacrificially, honoring, esteeming, serving those around me. We see that the reason we're called to love others rather than to love, uh, rather than to self-indulge is that God himself operates in this way, self-sacrificial love. He made this abundantly clear in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you, Mike. That was so beautiful this morning. Um, This lie has deep, deep roots. I think I'm going to be firing off the Philippians 2 and the Ephesians 5 artillery all my life to combat that siren song of self-gratification. But over the past few months, as I've been actively fighting back, engaging in my truth training, this battle is getting easier. And I notice more occasions when I actually naturally take joy in doing something sacrificially, cleaning up a mess on the floor at home, putting the dishes away at work, uh, praying a thoughtful and personalized prayer for my kids rather than something trite. Um, The truth training is working. The channel changer works. The truth artillery is powerful. It's effortful, and it takes time, but there's no other way to freedom. It's only the truth that sets us free. So, we must act. Knowing what to do is not enough. This takes training. Um, In the screw tape letters, there comes a point where disaster strikes. The junior tempter's mark becomes a Christian. And Uncle Screwtape holds out hope for the cause and gives this advice to his nephew. The greatest thing is to prevent his doing anything. As long as he does not convert it into action, it doesn't matter how much he thinks about his new repentance. Let the little brute wallow in it. Let him do anything but act. No amount of piety in his imagination and his affections will harm us if we can keep it out of his will. It's only insofar as they reach the will and are there embodied in habits that the virtues are really fatal to us. All sorts of virtues painted in the fantasy or approved by the intellect or even in some measure loved and admired will keep that man from our father's house, the devil. Indeed, they may make him more amusing when he gets there. (laughs) Uh, So, the truth training. Take a hold of a scripture, fire it off, change the channel. But there's more. Oh, there's more, Sharon. We have this weapon in hand, but what good is artillery if we don't also have a strong defense, a shield? So, visualize two daily routines with me. Uh, Where are we here? Give us a click up. There we go. Day one, wake up. Morning news. Morning commute on the radio with pop music and trite DJs. Work all day. Afternoon commute, more radio. Evening streaming service of choice. All soaked in a stream of news feeds and social media updates. Sunday morning, 90 minutes of truth. That day looks like this. Day two, wake up. Morning silence, prayer and scripture. Commute with quality worship music. Small prayers during the day. Lunch Devo. Home commute with sermon podcasts. Evening spent talking to family. Reading, watching carefully chosen media. Carefully chosen and limited news feeds. Carefully limited social media during the day. Meeting with a home church. Up a click. Your huddle. Life chats with mates. Evening prayers. And Sunday morning. 
day one is an exaggerated version of my early 30s, and day two is an exaggerated version of my now. Can you guess which one is forming me in truth and which one is not? Now take those details with a very large grain of salt and a large dose of anti-legalism and grace, please. Personality, season of life, all sorts of contextual details means that a good day of truth looks very different for each of us. But the point remains, this must be stronger than that. From John Mark Comer, the prophet Habakkuk said God's eyes are too pure to even look on evil, and yet we do it all the time for entertainment. Everything we allow into our minds has an effect on our souls, for good or evil. What we give our attention to will shape the persons we become. You become what you put in your mind. You are what you contemplate. Again from John Mark Comer, many of us spend hours every day filling our mind with lies, cutting off our minds from God's spirit and truth, and only a few minutes each morning, if that, filling our minds with truth and resting in the spirit or presence of our Father. Um, Just like we watch carefully what we put into our bodies, come on, this is popular these days, pick a few of us pick up random garbage off the sidewalk and pop it into our mouths, we must take great care with what we put into our minds. This truth must be stronger than that, lies and deception. So if our weapon, of memor- if our weapon is memorizing uh, and speaking scripture, our shield is choosing what we allow into our mind. Truth training and filth filter. <laughs> A filth filter for messages like these that we read, watch, and hear. Consume more, be discontent. Insufficiency, you are not good enough, pretty enough, fit enough, blah, blah, blah. Indulge yourself, food, drink, money, sex, whatever. Tribalism, us versus them. Be whoever you want to be, be your own God. Find your true self within rather than from God. So think about your mental inputs. Um, Think about what you read. Consider all the various news sites, blogs, books, magazines. Consider what you watch, series, movies, YouTube, TikTok. Think about social media and do you see the seeds of discontent and division and secular narratives there? Think about your music and your podcasts. What ideas and stories are they laying down in your mind? Making progress here means addressing some very sneaky deceptions. And here are some that I've unearthed in my own soul. Lie. You need to be immersed in pop culture to be relevant as a parent and as a teacher. I teach at Woodford House. So watch everything. Tune into all the social media and play all the games. It's important. But the truth is that, yeah, some pop culture understanding is helpful as a parent and a teacher. So stay carefully informed. Lie. You need to be entertained in the evening to feel refreshed. So stay up late. For me, personally now, no, no. Reading, journaling, short, wholesome media, those refresh me. And the morning is the most refreshing time and life-giving time of the day for me. So go to bed early. Third lie, you are an adult. So read, watch, and listen to whatever you like. You can choose what affects you. No, the truth is that you are a human. So everything you read, watch, and listen to affects you. The question is, for which Lord? Jesus taught on more than one occasion, get ready for this, the words of Jesus, not mine. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to be thrown into hell with two. If the root of sin is believing lies, then his line could read, if something causes you to believe lies, get rid of it. This isn't just theory for me. I've spent some time walking down this path. 
I've gone down this road a short ways, and it is good. It is a fruitful path. I've experimented with my filth filters over the last year or two, um, removing and adding inputs over time. Uh, and this is what I've tried, just as an example, okay? Um, I now no longer watch Netflix series. I get addicted, I stay up too late, they clutter my mind during the rest of the day. I no longer play video games that have no ending. You know what I mean? I get addicted to stupid games like Cookie Clicker, and I stay up late, and I procrastinate on more important things, and I constantly think about my next move when I'm not playing. Anybody? Uh, Quality Christian music and sermon podcasts on the morning commute instead of pop culture from the radio, which usually strongly features the club, booze, and lust. I have pruned my social media. I only use Facebook Messenger and Facebook groups as needed. And when I look at Messenger or groups on a desktop and my feed is staring me in the face, I'm like a moth to the flame. I start scrolling and without fail, I feel discontent. Everybody else's lives are way more fulfilling than mine. And agitated, um, uh, at, at best, outraged at worst by the divisive, tribalistic, political and conspiratorial posts that clutter my feed. I'm just so much more at peace without it. Um, I now put down any books that have graphic sexual scenes. I find those images remain in my mind for ages, and I don't want them there. And I do sporadic, carefully chosen movies. Now, that is not a matter of simply removing. I also have been replacing. In the evening, I spend a bit more time talking to my family, reading, occasionally watching something or playing a computer game and try to go to bed early. The mornings are the most productive time for me, and the evenings are just a wasteland of productivity a dry husk of an evening. And so I finally realized that I, can't, I can trade this husk of an evening where I'm more likely than not, I'm just going to stare at junk on my screen and go to be bed frustrated for extra fruitful time in the morning. Oh, it's a good trade. I wake up early for spacious time of silence and prayer and Bible and worship, and my mind is actually changing. I'm starting to actually get the truths of the Scripture and the gospel deep into my bones. So again, please take all of that with a heavy dose of grace and shake off the lure of any legalism there. I just share it because it's working. It's working for me, even though it's hard. It is so worth the pruning. How can we hope to flourish in the truth if we're allowing a steady stream of modern secular ideas and stories into our mind? Eat only a trickle of truth content. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. This, again, is difficult and effortful. It may sound like I'm suggesting an instant media purge, and sitting, staring in the corner so that nothing gets in. No, 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 no. I'm just suggesting that we allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on one thing, one input that he'd like to change. Start there. Take a break from the Netflix series. Revisit your driving playlist. Reduce the daily social media flow. Prayerfully start small and then stick with it. See what happens. Try it. Now, let's be clear. Pruning uh, media content is not an issue of salvation, okay? We can have complete confidence in our identity in Jesus, and we can say a strong no to intimidation, feelings of inadequacy, or shame and fear, if any of that was creeping in. You can walk into each day with your head held high and your shoulders back because you are, in the words of Paul in Ephesians 1, blameless, adopted as a child of God, redeemed from sin slavery, lavished in heavenly riches, chosen God's possession, raised from death to life, seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms, a citizen of God's kingdom and a member of his very household, and a holy temple where God himself dwells. This is not a matter of assuring God's favor. 
But this is a matter of throwing off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and running with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Christ, we are in the kingdom, man. We're in. But we can be in the kingdom and languishing. Who would rather be in the kingdom, living in fullness, freedom, flourishing? Come on. That's what I want. I want in. So, to pull it all together, number one, the devil finds powerful and convincing ways to get us to believe lies about God, about ourselves, and about life. Deception is a big deal. Two, we have a weapon against lies. The best defense is a good offense. Spirit and truth, abiding in truth. Engage with practices that help us to abide, remain, and dwell in the Lord's presence. And memorize scripture. Change the channel when tempted to believe a lie. Truth training. Number three, we also have defenses against lies. Endeavor to purge our input streams from all the muck that's become just so normal in our culture. Engage your filth filters. Or as John Mark Comer summarizes, you can just see it here in a more wordy version if you like to read. Deception is powerful, but we can do truth training and we can engage the filth filters. But again, the problem is knowing something is not the same as doing something, which is not the same as wanting to do that thing. So let's start doing something today. So I'm going to offer a challenge today. Number one, please consider asking God right now in this moment, He's here. He's listening. He wants to speak to you. Ask him to reveal a lie if he has not done so already. A deception, a deceit, something slightly twisted. A deceit that is undermining your flourishing. Just one. There's many. It's worth getting out the worms. It's worth getting out the stones. It's worth getting out the eggshells. It's worth building true. And then search out the scriptures that speak truth to that deceit. Talk to those around you who know the scriptures better than yourself, and choose the best one. Write it out. Memorize it. Use it to change the channel. You've just started your own handbook for combating demons, and that will take time. But today, God can reveal the lie, and today God can even reveal the scripture to you. Take the stuff out. Do it today. My second challenge to you today is to ask God to reveal to you a mental input that he wants to prune. It's really smart to start very small. Meet with success. Build from there. But what is God whispering to you now? Or has he been speaking to you this morning? Even one small thing to change. Small changes add up to a lot. And the deception matters. And then what will you replace it with? Ask a friend to hold you accountable to this once a week. Start a huddle. Come on, church. What better place than here and what better time than now? Please stand. We're going to pray. Almighty Father, Spirit of truth, guide us into all truth. Your desire for us, your dear children, is our greatest flourishing by abiding in your presence full of truth, God. Reveal to each one in this moment a deceit in their thinking and their beliefs. Lord, shine your light into our darkness. Let us speak out the lie, the deception. Lord, and let us replace it with your truth from your word. Holy Spirit, we rely on you. 
We know you are trustworthy and you are good. Speak to us. Spirit of truth, you have made us in such a way that what we contemplate shapes who we are. Show us how to contemplate you and your truth, Lord. Reveal to each one this morning an input that is speaking deceit. Give us revelation and desire to prune out that input. Lord, give us the desire to seek out purity and truth. Show us, Lord, what would you replace it with? We come before you. We surrender. We say, yes, Lord, we will do what you say. Strengthen us. Empower us to make that change. Lord, clothe us in the humility and the compassion required to hold each other accountable to this. Father God, Spirit of truth, Lord Jesus Christ, increasingly fill us with your truth that sets us free. Set us free, Lord. To that we say, Amen.